According to AT&T, it is now 4 o'clock. <laughs> so, um, welcome to the People of Color Workshop meeting. My name is Tony. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me. Uh, first, we'll have a moment of silence and then do the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. Um, the session is being taped, and to protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember two hatters, and that would be OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs. You're requested to speak only on your recovery in the OA program. And ask it that it will be circulated for the question and answer program of this session. If there are any press in the room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures or using a video camera using our full name. The format for this session is as follows. Two speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by 10 minutes of questions and answers. So um, our first speaker will be Sandy. Sandy, you can speak, and then we'll do 10 minutes and then we'll have Laverna speak. Laverna will be our second speaker. Okay. Hi, my name is Sandy and I'm a food addict. Hi, Sandy. Hi, and um, I'm really privileged to be here and um, happy to be a part of this workshop. And I want to first talk about how I qualify, how I get here. And um, I joined OA in 1985, so it's been 23 years in OA. I came in at 189, and in 1996, I joined another group that's a focus group of OA called 90 Day OA, and I was 179. And uh, so 12 years ago, that's when I came in. And so. Um, Today, I average between 130 and 133, which is a pure miracle, and, and that's just um, the physical aspect of it. Uh, I never in my lifetime thought that I would be at a normal weight. Um, I was born in New York to, um, uh, I was one of three children. I had my mother and father both suffered from the diseases of alcoholism and food addiction, although at that time we didn't have the words for them. And it was some of the same chaotic, dysfunctional family type things that was going on. You know, um, a lot of yelling, um, um, abuse, fear. And so I lived most of my life through the fear and fat. Those were two F's that I I know very well, fear, fat, and, uh, and maybe the other as is fantasy, because that really kept me going for a long time. Only if I, if only if I 
could be like this. You know, if only I could be like this person, and then I was still eating. So, um, the obesity and the food really kept me safe, as I say, quote, safe. But it was really an illusion. It was an, an incredible illusion to live on, under. And I'm so glad today to be free of that illusion, you know, uh, and to know that today I'm a food addict. I am addicted to food. Um, and it took me a while because when I first even thought of that concept of being addicted to food, um, it was like, how could it be? I knew what it would be like to, I knew what it was like to have somebody addicted to heroin or addicted to um, you know, cocaine or alcohol, but not food. Food is so harmless. But you know, when I surrendered to that um, fact, things changed for me. It changed incredibly. And so, um, that kind of moves us on into why we're here and, and um, the People of Color workshop. And, um, you know, when I was asked to speak, two things came to mind about people of color workshop, I said. First was loneliness. That's the first thing that came to mind around people of color and my journey through OA. And then the second one was, whoopee, I'm going to be in a room full of black people, finally, you know. <laughs> and um, I, I, that need for connectedness and camaraderie was something that I've always have um, yearned for, but it's been very elusive in a way. And so um, I really, I really like to thank, you know, the chairs of OA for putting this on the agenda, people of color. Uh, there are people in this room today that are, uh, I mentioned her name, Angela, um, that have been doing some incredible work in organizing Ebony OA and, and people of color. But as you look around, uh, we have a lot more work to do. And, um, and so I, I want to talk a little bit about that work and talk about my experience, strength, and hope. Um, and, yeah. So is it five more to go? Okay, got it. Okay. So I want to talk about my experience, strength, and hope as it relates to people of color. And um, just going back to this loneliness, because um, it's also loneliness, and there's also um, the thing I struggle with is the controversy around people of color. And I think the controversy comes around um, defining ourselves in this. Um, um, group setting. And um, when I think of people of color, I think of African Americans. I think of black people. You know, that's my orientation. And uh, I think also the controversy, because it is so hard, uh, some of the emotional, emotionalism that goes around goes into being a person of color in a group. And for quite some time, you know, when I was in OA, I made several attempts to organize, to bring black people together. Uh, and it was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't really happening. And I think what's clear 
for um, many of us. I mean, if you say that you're a group that's focused on men, you know, all men will be there, you know. And if you say you're a group that's focused on, um, on, say, for instance, Hispanics or Spanish people, you know, mostly Spanish people will be there. But people of color, it seems like it's so hard to justify all of us being in one room. And, and that's been my experience. Um, and I just speak for myself. But, um, and so the controversy and, and feeling on the defenses comes up but also the sense of loneliness. Um, to go through OA, and, and OA is a very special place, and it's a place that I love. It has saved my life. You know, I mean, not only saved me as far as weight is concerned, but it saved my emotional state and my mental state. It's given me clarity. It's given me healing. Um, but to, one of the things about OA is that you get to bear your soul. And that's one of those things that um, I've learned to do. I've never really learned to do in my family. But it was always, that's something that you do around people that look like you. I mean, you don't bear your soul out to the world. And um, one of the things that I learned in being OA is this really speaking from the gut and being truthful and um, and it really has made an incredible difference in, you know on my life um, as far as the experience of loneliness you know it for me and I, I want to say also that my experience here is, is, is a personal journey I think more of a personal journey than one of organizing people um, and I hope that my my journey will help to heal will be an example of healing because I know I've had incredible healing um, being in OA um, but I think about loneliness I think about it too as a, as a double whammy because growing up African-American, one, uh, and then African-American, black, and then also growing up fat. And to me, it is like that double-edged sword that we speak of a lot, um, because you it's that loneliness and isolation of being fat, and also, as I grew up, I was the only one in... Um, in school, in all white schools, and so that was another way of experiencing the loneliness. And um, and all through my recovery in OA, you know, I felt that. And a lot of times I would ask God, why do you have me here? What am I here for? I don't see anyone like me, you know? Uh, and I would ask over and over. And it was many times when I thought about leaving. I thought about leaving OA because there just wasn't enough black people in OA. And that was my orientation. And I really thank God today that God said, no, stay. Stay. Because what we deal with here is a disease. 
we actually, I think, as people of color, African Americans, we deal with two disease diseases. One is the disease of food addiction or compulsive overeating, obesity, and the other one is the disease of racism. And what I have found in my life and in my journey is that we are not going to be able to even touch racism or help another fellow sufferer, African American, suffering from this disease until we can deal ourselves, be recovered from the food addiction one day at a time. To me, that takes priority. And that's why I'm here, you know. And I had to surrender to the idea that I address my food addiction first and everything else falls into place. Um, and some of the other things that fell into place for me is like um, when I look at spirituality, and I love this, this is the concept of God. And in step two, you, you get to create a, a concept of God. And in this concept, for the very first time in my entire life, I could picture God as black, you know? And not only black, but a female. And not only female, but a fine female, you know? And, you know, I never had that opportunity before. I never had that opportunity to change a concept of something greater than myself, you know? And I had so much of a picture of, of a white man on a cross, you know, and that was not, I did not identify with that at all. And once I changed that concept of my higher power, things started to change for me. It was, in, it was really incredible. Um, so that concept has really kept me in recovery and has really kind of guided me on to healing. Uh, and not only the physical healing, but the clarity of mind, you know. Um, today, what I know from working this program, working the tools and steps of OA, that, is that I'm very equipped to deal with the disease of racism. Um, as many of you might know, African Americans suffer from health disparities and diseases at a rate two or three times than any other minorities. Two or three times. So we're talking about heart disease, hypertension, diabetes. And I can, I can name all of these because my family members have them. You know, my father right now is in his last stages of life suffering from the um, disease of diabetes. My mother died of a stroke. Um, and high cholesterol, hypertension. And today, by the grace of God, I don't have that. You know, and I knew very clearly that I would be diabetic. It just runs in the family. And so we, as um, people of color, African Americans, have a powerful tool here in OA. But we have to heal first. We have to really surrender to abstinence, a plan of eating. We have to surrender to using the tools, you know. We have to surrender to working the steps so that we have a clear mind to attract others, you know. For each one of us to attract another 
African-American or a person of color in here because we will do an incredible service, not only just to ourselves, but to everyone. I mean, this service every day I live for myself, this, you know, being able um, to be, well, first of all, to get in the size six uh, clothing sizes, like, whoa. You know, all I ever wished for was 12 or 14, you know? But I think that the fashion industry has something else, you know, they'll tell you any size really for you to buy it. But, you know, and to feel good, to be able to walk up hills, you know, and, and, and to take hikes and to have a body, to be in a body that you don't have to be at war with anymore. You know, our call first is to heal. We have to heal ourselves before others are attracted to us. And so I, I just like to leave you with that, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to, you know, be a part of this uh, journey, because it is a journey. And not many African Americans know about it, and, and it really is up to us to, to reach out, you know, and in any way that we can to do that. And then while you're here to take the action to heal yourself by being abstinent, you know, working the tools, by getting to goal weight, you know, and by doing the steps so that you could have that clear mind. So, it's, yeah, it's time. So I thank you. Um, I got 60. <laughs> okay, good. So, um I um, would really um, like just to encourage all of you to to continue to come back, you know, and to know that OA and people of color can work together. Thanks. Thank you, Sandy. Rather than breaking up the Q and A into two parts, I'm going to ask Laverna to speak, and then we can have the Q and A at the end, so that if we have extra time, we can use it. Hello, my name is Laverna. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. And I want to thank everybody for coming out on a Saturday uh, to attend this conference. I think the um, the Region 2 conventions are really a lot of fun, and especially if, um, for those people that have never been to one, there's so much to see and learn here. Uh, I want to thank um, the uh, Board of Directors, Trustees, for this topic today. This is really very nice. Uh, I want to give you some history. I want to qualify. Today I am celebrating 10 years of abstinence in this program. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I joined OA uh, ten and a half years ago in San Rafael uh, after complaining to my cousin who then lived in Detroit, who's now in South Carolina, about my weight because my history was that 35 years I had been dieting. Uh, I had done Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig's and the shots and the liquid diet and uh, I think I did everything except um, um, did the, what do you tie your mouth up? where you couldn't get anything and wired your mouth. Okay, I did everything except that. I always lost weight, um, but it was like 50 or 60 pounds, and it, it would always come back. Um, I developed, uh, being African American, I developed the uh, high blood pressure, heart disease, 
the diabetes that runs in my family, my history was that in my family, all the women died before the age of 60. Um, I can stand here before you today and say that I have outlived my mother uh, and I'm healthy. I no longer have high blood pressure, diabetes, or heart disease because I released 205 pounds. I joined, thank you. Uh, when I first came into the rooms of OA, there was no one in there that looked like me. And my biggest fear was, how are these people going to tell me how to cook my food and make it taste good? That was because it was about the food, you know, that's what it was about. And I knew that of all the diets that I had been on, you had to give up something, you know, the salt, the sugar, the flour, the taste, the flavor. You couldn't have anything fried. So I knew I was going to have to make a sacrifice and give up something, but I was really concerned about how was my food going to taste. And uh, if it didn't have any flavor, then I may as well just lick dirt and drink water. And that's how I, that's how I was feeling. That's really, that's really how I was feeling. So um, uh, coming into the rooms, um, I did everything uh, the OA folks said to do. There wasn't anyone in there that looked like me, and, but I was really desperate. Uh, because my sister pointed out to me, oh, we're going to be dead before we're 60 anyway. You know, let's have a party. And I thought, oh, no, I'm not me. You can be dead. I'm not going to be dead. And um, so it, it just kind of turned a big light bulb on uh, for me to realize, you know, to review my history, to know that I had been dieting for over 35 years trying to lose this weight. And then I had to examine my history with my family. If you don't know your history, you don't know where you're going. You don't know your future. So um, I was just like them, you know, with these problems. And the the more technical the generations got, the worse it got. Uh, my grandmother and her sisters, they walked a lot. They didn't own automobiles. They walked every place. And they always had was kind of slim. But my mother came along, she and her buddies partied a lot, and they ate very well. And they had automobiles, and they didn't walk, they didn't do too much exercise. Um, when my generation came along, I'll skip my generation and go to my grandkids. Now they have the uh, electronic toys that they play with. You can't even get them to go outside. When I was coming up, we were forced, we were made to go outside in the afternoon. And I don't know if it was so the old ladies could watch the soap operas or what. But we had to go outside to play, and we didn't have electronic toys. Uh, we had to do the hopscotch, the jump rope, the jacks, the stuff like that, and we would hide around the side of the house trying to stay out of the sun because it was hot where we were at. Uh, and I'm looking at that like uh, I have um, a lot of grandchildren. Uh, a lot of them are overweight. Uh, I'm trying to teach them how to be healthy at a younger age so they don't have to wait till they get in their 50s and then realize they need to lose some weight because now it's really getting serious. Uh, I'm hoping that um, my miracles that I'll tell you about in this room will inspire someone in here that will want to have a healthier, better life uh, and will realize that the fried foods was okay, but it's not necessary. You can find other ways to do your stuff, you know, your food and make it taste better. Um, it's, it's real difficult. I have a sister that has diabetes type 1 um, and her daughter has diabetes type 1. They both got them in, when they were in their 20s. I have another sister that has type 2 but she was so bad with her food that she ended up on in, um, insulin. 
she ended up with amputations and uh, the blood pressure was off the hook and the kidneys were failing and I mean it was just uh, kind of really bad you know and uh, uh, we don't have any grannies in our family I am the granny you know I'm the second oldest living woman in my family and um, I want to be around to see my grandchildren 28 of them that I have uh, grow up and go to college and do things I want to be around when they get married I want to be around when they go to their uh, proms and dances and things like that I want to be around for all those basketball games and the only way that I can do that is to be healthy so um, this is what I'm, I'm trying to do so now my miracles I'll tell you briefly about some of those what I did or what has happened to me um, I got into um, the HAL program first I released 80 pounds I went through life changes I didn't lose anything for 18 months but I didn't gain any weight because I was still weighing and measuring my food exercising drinking my water I got into the uh, Ebony OA 90 day program and I released my last 125 pounds and weight was still weighing and measuring I still weigh and measure my food because my eyes are bigger than my stomach. If I go try to fix a plate at, a, at the table, it's either going to have too much of one thing or not enough of something else. So I do the weighing and the measuring, and I don't have a problem with that. I carry my scales and my cups with me. When I travel, that's the first thing that goes in the suitcase, my medication and my scales so that I can weigh and measure my food. It's that important to me. Uh, it's not like you lose the weight and uh, oh I've lost the weight now I can go back to eating the way that I used to because you're just going to gain it all back this is a lifestyle change you have to make up in your mind you're going to do this every day for the rest of your life or you're going to end up the way you were before you came into the program and with my friends in this program that I see and I come to you know and I have a lot of neighbors that need the program. I would like to take a pickup truck and pick them all up and bring them in these rooms. And I don't know how is it that I found this program and all of you found this program, but they're right there and they <laughs> haven't asked any questions like how did you do that or what. And I see these folks struggling, walking up and down the steps. They can't hardly breathe. A lot of them are younger than me. It's wonderful to be able to walk up a hill and breathe. I did a spinning class. Uh, last week at the Y in San Francisco and I did it for an hour for the first time and uh, it, the class was fine my legs didn't hurt I could breathe I was sweating like a dog uh, what was hurting was that little skinny bicycle seat <laughs> that, was, that was a big old eyeball opener y'all okay so I got me a rubber seat now that I put over that but this is something new that I'm doing um, uh, that I can do my children bought me a membership to the Y for Christmas and they renewed it on my birthday so I can just go whenever I feel like it and my routine is to get up in the morning uh, do some form of exercise aerobics I drink uh, about a hundred ounces of water a day to get my river flowing in my body because I need at least two bottles of water upon awakening to get all my cells nourished because you wake up you dry um, if your eyeballs are dry or if your throat is dry, your insides have already been dry. So I, I replenish myself, and this is all part of my abstinence. Um, so I do that. I have my breakfast. I go work out someplace or walk. Um, every day I do something because I eat every day. So I need to work out a little bit. I don't go to the Y every day, every other day, but on the days that I don't go, I walk. And... Um, 
or run up and down the steps, you know, as fast as I can. I do that too. And some of my miracles I've experienced is I have gone from a size 26, 28 to a 12, 14. I have pictures. My foot went from a size 11 shoe to a nine and a half. And my ring finger went from a size nine to a seven. And my wrist went from a size eight inches to six and a half inches. I got jewelry that that's fallen off of me. So I decided instead of um, uh, sizing it down, I would just save it for my kids and buy me some new stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pass these pictures out. Those were just some of the miracles. But I think the best miracle of all is that I can um, look at foods that I used to like, and it doesn't bother me looking at them. I don't go home and dream about them. Uh, I don't think about them. Uh, we can do uh, a buffet thing. It could be laying on the table. I'm not even going to go by there because that is not my food. Uh, I know what my food is. And believe me, when you've been off of it for a while, you go to taste it. It doesn't even taste the same anymore. It is not worth it. Nothing is worth me losing my abstinence and my recovery over. Nothing. That is just so precious to me. And um, if, if I had a choice of eating and maybe overeating and not eating and feeling a little hungry, I think I would rather feel better. I feel better mentally, health-wise, if I was a little hungry. So um, that stuff feeling, I don't do that anymore. Um, and that's a miracle. Uh, to, in order to see something that you used to love and crave and want and dream about and would get up in the middle of the night and go down to your uh, fast food store or whatever to get it, and you don't have to do that anymore, that is a miracle. That's what this program has offered me, a miracle. And I just wish in the beginning there had been somebody that looked like me standing up here that could have inspired me. And I wish that I had known about the program a lot earlier you know, than just 10 years ago. Because, I mean, I've been, I was dieting 35 years before I fell in. So, anyway, this, I want to end up, because it's almost time. I want to say this, that if you fall down in your program, fall on your back. Because if you can look up, you can get up. And if you can get up, then you can start over again. And don't beat yourself up if you mess up. Start with the next meal. You know, don't go off and say, I'm going to go eat the whole cow. You know, because you licked the toenail. No, start the start at the next meal. Start at the next meal. So I want to read this to you. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? You are a child of God. Your plan small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And what does this mean to me? It means that I do not have to be afraid of me, that I can let my light shine. I do not have to be afraid of myself. I can go out and venture uh, and do that. Today, this is what I'm doing today. Just for today, I'll be 
positive, happy, not criticized one bit. I will strengthen my mind and my body. I will study and exercise. I will eat living foods and feed my cells. I will exercise my body and my soul. I will state fear and I will relax, rebound, recharge, rejuvenate, restore, rebuild, revitalize, remain, replenish, rebalance, and renew. And at the end of the day, I will have a program. Thank you. Thank you very much to both of our speakers. I will now draw questions from the Ask It basket for 10 or 15 minutes. Okay, the first question, what was your highest weight before you joined OA? My highest weight was as a child, um, around when I was 12, I was 213, so when I joined OA, I was hovering around 210, and uh, well, actually when I joined OA in 85, it was like 189, so. And my highest weight was very close to 400 pounds the biggest that I've ever been in my life. I was in a, a between a size 26 and 28 were the sizes that I took out of my closet. Do you eat at certain times during the day? I, I am committed to a way of eating um, that stresses three meals a day, nothing in between. And I weigh and measure all of those meals. I often take my scale to restaurants. Um, I don't always, but I have learned to um, use my eye. I was I was kind of raised on that. So I eat three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, no flour, and they're all weighed and measured meals. And I just want to say that I do this because it addresses the addiction of um, large quantities was one of the things that I was addicted to. So the more I ate, the more I wanted to eat. And so to have a serving size and having a size already weighed out um, corrects that for me. And it took me six months to figure out my food. Uh, I had to literally not eat until I got hungry to figure this out. So now I have my breakfast within two hours of waking up. Uh, if I go longer than that, then I'll be craving stuff all day long. I have my lunch between 11 and 1 o'clock, and I have my dinner between 5 and 7 because I want to go to bed at 10, and I know it takes about three hours for your food to digest, and if I lay down any sooner, I'll be choking. How do you use a scale when you go to eat? How do you use a scale in the measuring cup when you eat? Uh, I just put my plate on the scale and tar it out. 
so and put it on zero and then I weigh each um, type of food. So the protein is weighed and you tar it out and then you put the grain on, tar it out and vegetables. I use an electronic scale because it's more accurate than say the measuring cup and I use um, a, like a plastic container and I'll put the portion in there, weigh it out, throw it on the plate and each one and that's how I do it. My changes seem so slow. How do you develop patience and perseverance? Well, it's one day at a time, and it's the fellowship. You know, one of the things that really has saved me is that this is a spiritual program. I heard this this morning at our meeting, a meeting I attend, that it's a spiritual program. And when I stay focused on the spiritual part, it's something about the time, you know, just evaporates. And so when I'm feeling impatient, I remember picking up the literature, the big book, and changing alcohol and alcoholism to food addiction and food addict, to reading, um, you know, for today, for reading the OA meditation books. Seek the spiritual, you know, seek the steps, and that really does take us, takes, takes us away from that impatience. And um, because that impatience really, for me, relates to the diet mentality, you know, trying to figure out when we're going to lose all this weight, you know, week by week. And as a spiritual program, we surrender that. We have a higher power now that um, controls our life. And I pray a lot. Uh, pray over my meals. Uh, first thing in the morning, I pray that, that uh, my higher power, God, will help me with my weighing and measuring. Uh, it is slow sometimes, and uh, but if the scale doesn't go down, you, you're losing inches. So don't forget to measure yourself and write that down. And then I don't weigh every week. I do it once a month because otherwise then I'd be going nuts all month long. But I pray a lot, and I seek the spiritual to help me with my food. They give me the patience, and that—that's uh, you know that's part of the recovery too. This is the last question. I'm probably gonna need some help with it. Uh, come on up, Angel. You get to talk, girl. You are forever. I'm Angela. I'm a, I'm the Region Two trustee, and I'm also a recovery member in the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. And I've seen miracles. I see six or seven, or if not all of us in this room today, and. Many years uh, when I first came to the fellowship, I, I wondered if this day would ever appear. I wasn't only. And I've seen um, um, that change. I, I love uh, Sandy's sharing. I love Laverna and that hope that uh, all of us would find recovery. I'd ask a question here. I said in the 2002 OA membership survey, it states that uh, only 54% of people say they've reached a healthy weight. I don't know if you all are familiar with it. As a, a board member, the World Service Board, we do the fiduciary uh, responsibilities, the business of the whole organization. We are a global organization with 6,500 meetings worldwide in, in 60 countries. And so this last survey we took was in 2002. We have another one coming out in the end of this year just to measure our membership, 
Second, we have one coming in 2009, and that may include racial data. We're hoping to do it demographically. But the question was that, in reality, you miracles, all of us that are miracle and have sustained and remained abstinence are a rarity. That's only 46% of people really say of our last survey that they have maintained and are at a healthy weight. So there's a lot of growth. There's a lot of growth towards abstinence. The organization itself has a strategic plan to get abstinent members creating strong meetings, uh, financial meetings, things that are based on the growth of the organization. All those things are there. And um, there, is, there are two hats you wear if you're in recovery. Your abstinent hat and your business hat. I see people leaving. I'm thinking they think I'm not talking about recovery. I'm recovery if I'm up here. I, I really... That's what this saying. I, I, I hate that. Recovery encompasses many things, and abstinence is more than just physical. But back onto that, we are an organization that are growing in abstinence, and we're growing in our recovery. And I also wanted to point out that um, this didn't happen by saying race is an outside issue. You don't see Sandy, Laverna, you, you don't see Juanita. All, I can name so many people, Sonia, and all of us that are out here. I don't know everybody's name, and I'm not. I'm, I, it's just a miracle to see it by saying race is an outside issue. It is that is the most ridiculous, redundant excuse not for the organization to grow. It is our literature is replete with references specifically to race and racism. I don't want anyone ever to come up to me and say it's an outside issue. Then you make me an outside issue and I will find the miracle of the program. And um, what's my other thing that I was going to say? Um, my, the question I started out by asking, and I'm going to say it, the big question that I said was, why, what is that? Why is it that there's only 54% um, of people actually reaching uh, healthy body size is what was written here on this in particular, if I didn't start out with the correct question. When I get a chance to get in front of a microphone nowadays, I say as much as I can. So, uh, thank you. I want to thank both of you for being a light and an inspiration and for the fact that you keep coming back. And I just want to encourage, I'm in front of a microphone now, I just want to encourage everybody just to keep coming back and supporting one another and taking care of yourself. <clears throat> so it's now time to close the session. Let us thank our speakers and all who have done service for the session. Please stand and join hands as we close. Uh, let's close with the OA promise that I put my hand in yours.